Your life experience, good or bad, is a gift when you share it with others. At Taxi Chronicles, we allow real riders with real stories to share their gift. So hopefully this episode will intrigue, enhance or inspire you. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe. Morning, morning, morning. Yes, we're back with another episode, another rider. Today we have a lovely lady all the way across the pond. And she's a specialist in fundraising from philanthropists and other people. So she's going to educate us on how she got into the job, what motivates her, and just the kindness of her heart. So nice to have you here today. Well, thank you, Simon. It's nice to be here. This is slightly unexpected, but I admire your courage in doing this and uh, and chatting to people, especially since we've been locked down for so long. It's nice to finally see people again and, and chat. So, so thank you. So how did you get into the industry of fundraising? Well, I wish I had an inspirational story to share, but I think, you know, unless you have a calling, like you want to work in the church or you want to be a doctor, I think a lot of people when they graduate from university have no idea what they want to do with their degrees. And I I studied history of art, which is kind of tricky because it doesn't really lead to a clear career path. And so I wanted to work for a gallery and I had read about this place called the Serpentine don't judge me, I'd read about it in Tatler magazine because of all the fabulous parties they have. And so they had an internship going and I applied for the internship and I got it. And little did I know that I was going to end up working for the director of the gallery and then helping with fundraising because of course they don't receive any public money from the government and they don't charge admission. So they have to fundraise in order to be able to stay open deliver exhibitions and that kind of thing and so that's how I got my start and then the industry itself is quite small so you start meeting people that way through your job and then actually the person that I work for now that hired me at the university where I currently work used to be a colleague of mine when I worked at Serpentine and so it's just kind of gone from there but the other added layer of this is that being an American and wanting to live in the UK you have to be sponsored and getting a work visa is actually a lot harder than I think people realize. And so fundraising is an industry that actually you can get sponsored. Not easily, it's definitely hard, but it is possible to be sponsored by a UK employer if you're an American fundraiser, because of course they assume that Americans love to ask people for money. Um, <laughs> your sales, isn't it? Your sales, your marketing stuff and sales. Isn't yes, I always say that fundraising is a bit like sales, but in many ways it's harder because you're not actually, it's not transactional. No. You're not getting a tangible sort of quid pro quo for your gift. You're giving money for all different kinds of reasons. Some people are just very altruistic and they believe in investing in people's futures, uh, education, the health sector. You know, they're truly philanthropic. Other people do it for other reasons. Um, I know that in the museum world, for example, a lot of people give money because they want access to artists, to artworks. It's a social thing, mm -hmm. so they kind of want the reputational uh, clout that goes with it. So they're all different kinds of motivations. What kind of characteristics does one person need, does a person need to do what you do? Well, I think that you need to be able to very quickly establish trust and relationships with people you meet. Um, I think that also, you know, you can't be afraid to ask people for money. And I think a lot of people feel very uncomfortable about that. 
And I too, I mean, I myself feel very nervous when I ask somebody, but then I think about what is that, what is it that I'm raising money for? What is the purpose of my mission here? You know, I'm not asking them to give me money personally. I'm asking them to give money that they already have. They probably already have a lot of it. So they're not wanting. And I'm asking them to give money for scholarships for students who might otherwise not be able to afford to go and study or to fund research that's really important. So for example, we do a lot of work on sustainability and we partner with companies and we do advisory work. And so that area of research is really important in terms of the environment and the economy. And so that's something that people can give money towards as well. Or for example, we have a new building going up in Stratford. And so we would raise money for that building because our current facilities are pretty bad, to be honest. They're really old. They've been around for a while, but they're, they're not competitive with, say, maybe some other universities. And so we have a brand new campus that we're opening up, and we'd love people to give money to that. So if they want to do donate, like, for example, a piece of machinery or a fabulous new like sound system or something to enhance the quality of the learning experience for the students, that's another way that people can give. And I suppose these people can write that off as tax deductible. Well, actually, no, because in the UK, it doesn't really work that way. In the US, it did. I don't know if it's still the same. So basically, when when Trump sort of overhauled the tax system in the US, he got rid of deductions, not all of them, but he got rid of itemized deductions. Now there's a standard deduction. So you can only basically take off like $12,000 or something. And if you were somebody who was giving millions of dollars away, then obviously that's not the same kind of tax deduction for you, is it? Yeah. In the UK, it's different because you can get gift aid. So if you're a UK resident and taxpayer, if you make a donation, then the government will give back a certain amount. So it's an actual, it's like an extra donation on top of your gift. So the government matches part of it. I don't remember how much it is. I don't know if it's 25p for every pound, but it's something quite generous like that. But I don't know if you actually get tax exemption in the UK. But interestingly, a lot of our donors are from the US. Okay. So if I gave money, let's say, to a local youth club, mm. £10,000, yes. then the government would give me or the youth club 25 They would give the youth club an extra, like, £2,500. Okay, yeah. Okay. If you're a UK taxpayer. Oh, that's so it's quite nice, actually, the way that works out. But yeah. unfortunately, you wouldn't get the benefit. Yeah, yeah from your own tax perspective. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. Oh, yeah, it makes sense in one, in, one, in one case. Well, if you're rich, it's one way of getting the government to do something. Well, you know, Simon, if you're very, very rich, you probably aren't a UK taxpayer. You might be a non-dom, and you might live in Switzerland and be in the UK for only three months out of the year, or something like yeah. that. Like, yeah, I think I Mick Jagger doesn't live in the UK. I think. Yeah, yeah. I want to see your name. What are the skills that you use? Give us some of your secrets to get people to part with their hard-earned cash. I think it's about knowing what motivates the other person. So I think oftentimes fundraisers make the mistake of thinking, I have all these wonderful things to fundraise for, and they come in with a menu, like you can give to this, this, and this, and then the donor will tell you, well, actually, I want to give money to that. And it always kind of blindsides you because you're just like, I didn't even think of that. That's so random. I don't know if I want you to give me money for that. Um, and so it's really about sort of 
stewarding that person's philanthropy. And I think a lot of people don't think about it from that perspective. They're thinking about what they can get from that person. And I think a better way to think about it is how can I help this person give their money in a responsible way? So it's about figuring out what they, what that person is interested in, what makes them tick. Because the other thing is, is that generally people who are philanthropic, they're being asked by every single charity under the sun to give money. And so you kind of have to grab their attention. And I think that it's all about building a really compelling case for support. You know, telling somebody, I had a boss once who said, you're rich and I'm poor is not an argument. (laughs) You know, like that's just not going to, that's not going to cut it. You need to come up with something better than that. So it's all about creating that narrative and it really depends on the person i specifically work with individuals i have other uh not clients excuse me i have other colleagues that work in different areas of development like companies for example and the companies give because it enhances their reputation as a company Uh individuals give for all kinds of reasons like you know they could have a family member that passed away and they want to name a scholarship after that family member and so there's always a personal element to it and I think that you have to really be in tune with that human quality of your work mm-hmm. some of the relationships that you form are very personal as well um, you know these people become so you like friends to that person every year then. not necessarily it depends on the gift like if somebody gives you a really really large donation that donation might be administered in phases so for example if somebody has given you, like, we had a four million pound gift to the university, what? and yeah, there's big money a, in this. I could build a school and then some. Well, actually, I mean, the building that we're building is probably going to cost something in the region of 250 million pounds. So, really? yeah, it's expensive building all this stuff. I mean, the land alone in central London is worth a fortune. That's before you've even factored in bricks and mortar okay. um, and all the sort of labor costs associated with building it. Um, you know, a donation like that, we're not going to go back the next year and say, we'd like another four million pounds, please. They'd laugh in our faces. It's the kind of thing where they give the donation and then you cultivate the relationship further after that. You invite them to things, you introduce them to students, to the vice chancellor of the university. You know, you treat them well. It's like hospitality in a way. And then hopefully if they are happy with the way they've been treated and they see a direct cause and effect between the money they've given you and what you've done with it, they might be compelled to give more money at a future date. So maybe in like five years, you'd go back for another ask. What are the kind of things that a client has said they want to fund when you've had to say, eh, well, maybe you want to do something else? Well, I mean, it's been tricky because like, for example, we had a donor who wanted to help students start their own business which is great however we couldn't administer that because these students had already graduated it has to be something that we can broker ourselves so if we have students for example who like all our students do a place in industry for a year a paid internship some of the internships don't pay very well and if you're a student who needs extra money as most students do for your accommodation and getting there, you know, just your general living costs. It's quite prohibitive to have to do an internship like that because it means that basically, unless you have rich parents that are willing to pay for you, it's harder for you to do an internship because you might have to work two other jobs on top of that. Mm -hmm. So what I would say to somebody like that is that 
it's great that you want to invest in these businesses, but from our perspective as the university and the educator, it would be much more useful if you could help fund that person's internship year because that means that they're going to get the experience that they need in industry to then be able to either set up their own business or be a much more attractive job candidate in the future. So it's all about sort of recasting that and saying, well, that's helpful, but have you considered this? If that makes sense. Because also, once the students have graduated, we can't we can't just give them money. Like we're that doesn't make sense for us. So is in line with your calls. Exactly. Yeah, I see what you mean. You've been a great guest. The oh, thank you. Two questions. Of course. First one is, what have you learned that you wish you knew when you started in this industry? Oh gosh, so many things. Um, I think the first one is patience. I think when you graduate, you, you have a lot to prove. You're young, you're in your 20s, you've got so much energy to burn and you want to get to the top immediately and you think that if you work really really hard after a year they're going to promote you which is nonsense <laughs> um and i and of course you know as a young 20 year old something i you know i think i probably had a lot of perhaps slightly too much confidence in my ability which you know it's important to believe in yourself but i think you have to also be realistic that these things take time and i think that the second thing i would say is that if you're going into a situation where you're working with people and you don't like them, don't do it. Because I think that work culture is very important and there have been situations I've been in the past where I've really wanted a job and I go to the interview and I don't get a good vibe from the people that I meet with. Mm -hmm. And I think that instinct is probably quite important because if you don't get a good vibe from them in the interview, imagine what it's gonna be like when they employ you and you work for them it's really important to be with people that you get along with and that's not about being friends with them per se but it's about shared values it's about work culture mm -hmm. and I think work culture is really important you're not going to be happy working in a place where they work you you know 800 hours a day and don't treat you like a human being okay. um, so I would say to young people you know work in a place that you like mm -hmm. work in an industry you like and be patient Work hard, pay your dues, be respectful. Okay, that was great, that was great. The last question was, what's the impact you want to have on the world? Hmm, that's a harder one. I don't know. I suppose that I feel that my industry is really already providing a great impact, and I really appreciate that, and I wish that I could do more because I feel that with the pandemic, I've been slightly hampered in my ability to go out and meet with donors and secure funding to then give to our students. And I feel sorry for the students as well because it just hasn't been a great time to be at university. You know, they're doing half their other coursework online and then half in person. And that's not ideal, is it, for mm -hmm. students, especially when you're doing something that's very hands-on. Mm -hmm. um, I think for myself, I'm still looking for what it is that's going to really fulfill me because I think that I'm also a creative person but I haven't really been able to explore that avenue myself. So I'd love to do something creative one day, but that's more for me rather than for the world. But if people appreciate it, that's great too. So. Okay. Well, thanks a lot for that. Thank you. And we wish you well. Thank you, Simon. This has been a fascinating journey. <laughs> we hope you liked that Taxi Chronicles interview. Don't forget to share and subscribe to get the latest episode. 
Ever considered investing in a continent with the fastest growing economies and population on Earth? The same continent that holds 30% of the world's known natural resources. Listen to our sister podcast, Africa Investor Stories, where you hear real investors with real stories from around the world share their experience of investing in Africa. We post Monday and Thursday at 10am British Standard Time.